stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. And housing is interesting because, yes, the price of housing has gone up. But depending on whether you own a house or are hoping to own a house, you're going to view the situation very differently. For people who own houses, rise in value of that asset is, is generally seen as a good thing. For those who are trying to get into homeownership, it's a, it's a bad thing. And obviously, it's a situation that varies right across the country. The situation in Toronto is different from the situation in Calgary. The situation in Calgary is different from the situation in Winnipeg. And so on. So it does vary from, from market to market, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So as the federal government talks about trying to address this problem with a national approach, is it something that we should have local governments focused on? It was a really interesting piece over the weekend in the Financial Post on how housing affordability should be a municipal concern and not just a national one. Maybe there's some shared jurisdictional responsibility here. Uh, Joining us to talk more about it is uh, one of the uh, authors of this piece, uh, Murtaza Haider, is a professor of real estate management at Ryerson University, uh, part of the Haider Moranis Bulletin website, hmbulletin.com, which covers these issues. Uh, Professor Haider, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So when we look at, at the housing market, generally speaking, across the country, certainly housing prices have increased in Canada, and not just recently, even if we've had some ups and downs in recent years overall, it seems, over the last 10 or 20 years, we've seen increases. What, what's, what's driving that in Canada? The primary reason why housing prices are rising very fast in Canada is that the demand has uh, demand for housing has outstripped, outstripped the supply component, and what has happened is that we have not been building housing at the same rate as we were in the 70s, in the early 70s. And over the past five decades, our rate of construction has declined steadily. And, and that has led to a situation where more and more Canadians are looking to buy or even rent. And then there's less of supply, resulting in, in a faster acceleration in housing prices all across Canada. It was used to be more focused in Vancouver and Toronto, but now it's uh, since the pandemic, it has spread to all parts of Canada. Because I think we assume that when there's demand, the supply is going to meet the demand. But what you're suggesting is that that hasn't happened. No, actually, you know, we we were surprised to see the, some statistics we computed for our column in the National Financial Post. We found out that um, in the early 70s, uh, we were building about 10 to 12,000 units per million people in Canada. And that number has gone down to about four to 6,000 new dwellings being built per million people um, in, the, in the last five to 10 years, which means that the rate at which we were building has almost halved. Meanwhile, there has not been any drop in the growth in population, which is though driven by immigration has consistently risen over the years, uh, over the decades. And this imbalance between demand and supply has meant that prices increase faster. And they increase even faster in places where local uh, regulations are not very conducive for new development. And they grow at a slower pace um, where local um, regulations are uh, are facilitating new growth. So you you can compare Vancouver with, with, let's say, Calgary, or Edmonton, and you'd see that Vancouver's prices have risen much faster 
um, in addition to being uh, of high demand, um, even before 2014 when prices were rising in Calgary, you could see that lots of construction was taking place. So um, in, at the end of the day, uh, municipalities or cities that are um, able to facilitate construction are able to slow the pace of housing prices, um, and those that do not do so will face very high increases in housing prices over time. Well, and obviously the situation varies. I mean, even, you know, in Toronto where you are, um, you know, Toronto's a real unique market in terms of what we've seen in, in increases in housing costs and just the average cost of a detached home. I mean, you know, down the road, a couple hours away, I guess, in, you know, say a market like Barrie, for example, big differences, right? And so we can compare big cities, you know, Toronto to Calgary or Winnipeg to Montreal. I mean, we see a lot of variation across the country. Absolutely. So Barrie, Ontario which is about a 55 minutes drive from downtown Toronto, um, does not have the same price levels, but the increase in prices have been much faster there as well because there has been sort of a mini exodus from the core of the cities to, to the suburbs where uh, semi-detached and single-family detached homes with backyards and um, places where people can work from home and live. And so those types of neighborhoods that were essentially suburban or even remote urban um, have seen significant increases in housing prices. To the west of uh, Toronto is a beautiful small town called Hamilton with a population of about half a million or so. They saw some humongous increases, like 30, 30 plus percent increase year over year in housing prices, primarily uh, because the demand just increased suddenly when people left and decided to relocate to suburban bigger uh, places. It's interesting. I mean, here in Alberta, you know, we saw the oil price crash in 2015 into 2016. We saw housing prices come down. And, you know, for me as a homeowner, I think for a lot of other homeowners, that was worrying. The idea that the value of your home has dropped. But, you know, for those looking to buy homes, it was maybe an opportunity. Not really, actually, to be very honest with you. People who, when housing prices are falling buyers become reluctant and they think oh this may fall even more so they actually they are less likely to buy when prices are falling they are more likely to buy when prices are rising and that's just basic human behavior it sounds counterintuitive right but it's Mm -hmm. not because why would you buy an asset that is losing value right you want to buy an asset that's increasing in its value so therefore people buy homes more aggressively when housing prices are climbing rather than they are falling but one thing that you know what is quite interesting and we have made it this point several times in our column in National Post that um, using the same uh, uh, instrument across Canada to fix housing prices um, is, is not the best approach. Um, take stress test as an example. The government, uh, federal government through Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions implemented more stringent stress test regulations in 2018 um, trying to address the rapid escalation of housing prices then. And our argument was that housing prices were falling in Calgary. So compared to 2015, housing prices were lower in 2018 in Calgary and Edmonton. And making um, mortgage lending even more stringent would have had a more adverse impact on places. So, So our argument has been that housing is essentially a local issue. Housing markets are inherently local, and therefore uh, any uh, policy instruments or strategies that people would like to deploy, they should be local rather than national, 
given the immense diversity in housing market outcomes. Which makes a lot of sense. Um, but ultimately, what is the goal then of, of any of these policies? As you say, I, I don't think it's our objective, or maybe shouldn't be, to drive down the value of, of homes. But how do we address housing affordability? What are we trying to achieve? That's an excellent point. I mean, you know, people who are complaining about housing prices because they were priced out of the market, uh, the moment they are able to buy something, they would reverse their stance. Um, and those who are advocating for housing prices to fall become homeowners, and then they change their stance in overnight because why would you continue to comp- com- campaign for lower prices for an asset that you just acquired? So it's a, it's a positioning um, issue. It is an issue where people's stance changes based on where they stand on one or the other side of the aisle. The reality is that housing prices have marched out of step with people's incomes uh, in Canada for over a very long period. And the goal should not be to bring the prices down because most Canadians, almost 70% of Canadians live in a home or a house that is owned by a family member. So the goal should not be to make lives uh, worse off for 70% of Canadians by having their primary um, investment uh, asset lose value. But the goal should be to address the growth in housing prices. It shouldn't grow as fast as it has in places like Hamilton or Windsor in Ontario. Um, housing prices have grown by over 30%. Even in eastern parts of Canada, in places like uh, Nova, in small towns in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, some towns have seen 10, 20, 25% increase year over year in prices, and that's not stable yeah. given the lack of increase in income. So our goal should be to bring the increase in housing prices in step with people's incomes. If the people's incomes are not growing as fast, then the prices should reflect that. And that's not what is happening. And the reason for this is we have not built enough homes and there's tremendous amount of competition. It's a, it's a common thing now in Toronto that a house goes up for sale and 20, 10, 20 people end up bidding on it. Right. Um, the five bids are very, very common that, you know, there are four or five bids. And I have, um, during the pandemic, early time, early months of pandemic, we reported on a house in the cottage country near Toronto where 70 bids were registered on a house. So imagine the, what the lack of supply, what kind of frenzy the lack of housing supply can, can induce in the market. Well, and I know there's some concern that, you know, part of what the federal government is looking at in terms of helping first-time homeowners might end up actually adding to that demand. Um, is, is that a real concern? And is there anything, any value in, in trying to temper demand in some way? Yeah, so what, what would the federal government would do is uh, provide um, incentives and, um, you know, to, to first-time home buyers um, so they are able to compete um, in the housing market. But by doing so, by default, they will increase the demand for housing, um, especially starter homes or lower-priced homes, which are often the, the favored by first-time home buyers. And therefore, it has this uh, unintended consequences, consequence of heating the market even further. The, the goal for the government should be, to federal government especially, is to look at the circumstances behind a lack of adequate housing supply. Look at how housing prices have changed um, and increased significantly over time um, locally, and then facilitate a dialogue between the province and the local governments to see how they can facilitate new land development. I think the two big reasons for lack of adequate supply, 
One is the stringent land use regulations that are controlled by the city. And the second is the stubbornness on part of the neighbors who end up being the NIMBY is not in my backyard, and then they are able to convince or lobby the local governments in restricting or prohibiting any further development in their areas. And these two forces have to be checked. They have to be um, not, in a way, dictatorially determined by the feds, but but feds can use their leverage and their deep pockets to facilitate dialogues where people governments, local governments, and local neighborhood associations can find a way uh, to allow further growth. Because it's it is not in their interest to make housing more expensive for their children by resisting any new development. By the way, just a quick thought from you. I mean, we're going to be talking about this later in the hour, the, the likelihood or the possibility anyway that interest rates are going to rise in response to inflation. And obviously housing is a part of the inflation picture. What, what's the potential impact of higher interest rates? Oh, that's going to have a humongous impact. I think when uh, the cost of borrowing is is as low as it is today, um, that acts as a catalyst uh, for um, homeowners or potential homeowners to borrow even more. So when interest rates are falling, housing prices usually escalate. And when this relationship reverses, when, when interest rates in, increase and they would reflect in mortgage rates as well, that is going to slow down uh, an increase, a rapid increase, because see, at the end of the day, people are looking at the monthly payment. They're not looking at the price. Um, You can have a monthly payment that could be excessive. um, And and if you recall, there were times as early as in early 90s when the mortgage rates were up to 17, 18%. And the monthly mortgage payments were prohibitively expensive even then whereas the housing prices were somewhat $250,000, $300,000 on average in Toronto and elsewhere. So uh, the impact of mortgage rates on housing prices is significant. And if one were to see uh, a growth in, in, in the base rate and then subsequently mortgage rates, I would expect that it would have a, a, a significant moderating impact on, the, on housing prices. We'll leave it there. Appreciate the insight. Professor Hader, much more is mentioned, hmbulletin.com, and uh, this piece up uh, over the weekend at financialpost.com. Thanks again for joining us here. Thank you indeed. All Take the best. Care. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.